You are listening to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. Welcome to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. Tonight, we are here live with one of my Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda, LBD, uh, Legal Breakdown, not Little Black Dress, uh, Legal Breakdown. And tonight on our Legal Breakdown, we are going to be talking about the disturbing new bombshell lawsuit that has come out just today. I'm talking end of today or end of the workday, I'm about to make dinner, get ready for my evening meetings that I always seem to have this time of year. And I just start getting hit everywhere with (laughs) these messages going, did you hear, did you hear in the lawsuit? And then, you know, I'm getting pinged on Twitter, New York Times, CNN, all these things about this lawsuit that has been filed by longtime companion as well as artist on uh, his Bad Boy Entertainment label, uh, Cassie, um, on the lawsuit. On the lawsuit, they use her full name. Everybody knows it, but because I feel a certain kind of way, especially when it comes to uh, allegations uh, that involve the types of things that uh, Cassie is talking about, we are going to stick with just referring to the name that everybody knows her as is is cassie instead of her full name uh she has sued sean combs bad boy entertainment bad boy records epic records comb enterprises and uh any john doe corporation that comes up numbered one through ten which often happens when you are dealing with uh many corporations so Yeah, I know I said a mouthful in that first two minutes, but again, welcome back. I'm happy to be back. It's crazy because this weekend I was just getting ready to start a new series, uh, of course, on the Let's Be Be Honest with Just Jonda channel uh, called Starting Over, which I will be doing, and I'm so excited to start the Starting Over series uh, with uh, my listeners because I think it's going to be a very poignant, important topic, is very personal to me, and uh, also is a part of a larger project that I have coming that is going to include me uh, coming out (laughs) to talk to everyone a lot more personally and and traveling more to have these conversations about uh, starting after and also to... um, and to also have the book starting after as well. So looking forward to the starting after project. But right now, uh, we have got to, we, I mean, this is the biggest story. I mean, even CNN cut into it. So we've got to talk about it, right? However disturbing it is. And there, there's some other things that have been going on that uh, I may do a mini-sode on uh 
probably on Saturday because, you know, we want to get things, get the momentum going again. I feel like I finally, after uh, so long with long COVID, finally have my voice back. So we're going to jump right in. So I've stalled a bit because this is also going to be on YouTube, although since it's a late episode for the YouTube viewers, uh you'll you're not going to have me on screen live even though i'm recording this live because it's 11 30 p.m eastern time when we're getting started with this episode i also have a guest for those of you who have been longtime listeners you have uh met her on many episodes where we talk about Bravo shows and uh, some own shows and some other things that we're definitely going to uh, get back to. And that is my girl, Riri. Uh, and we were having some tech, is uh, tech issues that we we're trying to work out earlier. So hopefully those are worked out. Riri, are you with me? I can. So guys, she's gonna, she may sound a little low, but she is here. We'll try and fix it in post, but she is here. The lovely Riri. How are you this evening? I am well. I'm, I'm, I'm well. <laughs> I, I know. And, and guys, like I said, there's, there may be a difference in sound because we are not in the same location, but, um, it, it, she is brilliant. She is into this whole thing. And uh, even though I'm the attorney friend, she is my keeping it real common sense friend, um, also known as my first vice president of ratchet justification when we're into other shenanigans. <laughs> yes. I don't think we're going to need to pull our ratchet justification card or pettiness out tonight because this is so disturbing on its own. I am um, it, one of the things that I'm interested in right out of the gate when I see this as someone who has practiced for many, 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 many years, uh, too many years that will give away uh, way too much about myself if I say <laughs> This, I, and, and, and because I, uh, this is a civil case, but um, because I've spent a, a large portion of my career, um, probably the overwhelming majority of it, doing criminal defense, of course, I'm no stranger to cases that involve explicit explanations of assault of any kind, whether it is just I hate to say just, but you know what I mean, like just physical assault, you know, people fighting, stabbing, shooting, all of those things, or um, assault, uh, this type of assault, which is, again, because of the, uh, because of this also being on YouTube, we're going to call it SA, and um, those types of assaults, again, nothing that I've ever seen a trigger warning on. But for this, I'd be very curious to know if this was placed by the court or by the lawyer that was filed, that filed it. Um, it's very interesting uh, because, I, like I said, it's something I've not seen before. And the one or two lawyers that, because of course I didn't want that to watch too much to color my commentary and I only read portions of this so that you will get my real-time uh, reactions and thoughts about it. Um, and most of them have said the same thing that they're like, oh, trigger warning. Well, 
interesting, new. Who put that there? But as we go through it, I can understand why. So there's some things that I will um, uh, I will abbreviate uh, again because of certain regulations, specifically as it relates uh, to YouTube as opposed to the pod audience. Um, and one of those uh, is going to be to um, refer to certain acts as SA as um, and once I get into those descriptions, you'll know what I'm talking about. So don't worry about it. And um, so when we come to certain descriptions, I will talk about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the complaint. Um, not all of it word for word, because that would take too long. Um, I'm going to hit the major points. And then uh, as I go through it, we'll stop here and there because Sharita and I uh, are certainly going to have our <laughs> our commentary on it. And I'm also going to give you my thoughts from my perspective as um, uh, as an attorney. Now, uh, one thing I want to note here is that, uh, Riri, uh, I don't know if you noticed that this was filed in the Southern District of New York. Southern District New York of New York in recent years has uh, become somewhat infamous <laughs> in terms of the cases that have gone through there, several of them uh, via prosecution, <laughs> most notably cases like the Weinstein case, uh, the Trump case is there now. Um, I can't remember if, I know that the R. Kelly case, one set of them went through New York, but for some reason I don't I'm not sure if it went through Southern District or uh, the Northern District, but again, this jurisdiction is infamous, and we'll get to why it is, uh, why this case is in federal court, because it's not so much about the amount that is being alleged here. As we start out, I want to note uh, just uh, just so that you know, um, we'll go over the standards because I like to pride myself on. Uh, having the smartest audience out there because not only are you brilliant anyway, but you know, we like to educate as we talk and gossip. So first things first, we know that these are now just allegations. A suit has been filed against uh, Sean Diddy Combs. Um, this is not uh, the way that the civil court works. This is not about uh, guilty or non-guilty. It's about whether or not he's going to be found liable or not. Um, and the standard here is different. And that's going to be an important thread as these discussions are inevitably going to take place until the next big news item that uh, kicks this off of um, kicks this off of everybody's mind. Uh, Sharita, do we have any doubt that this is going to be all over Black Radio, Black Morning Radio tomorrow? Oh, I'm going to be going from station to station just to see what they're saying. I'm see. I'm the opposite. I actually don't think I want to hear what's going to be said because I know it's going to make me mad. <laughs> I'm curious. I want to see. I want to gauge. Well, no, because I listen to about three morning shows on my commute in. So I already have a feeling what each show I'm going to get from each show, but I want to see if I'm right. You know what? I, I think maybe I'll, I'll do that test too, because I'll be up working anyway. So, um, but if social media is any indication, Lord have mercy. Um, and, and I think part of, 
Exactly. And I think part of that too is obviously, and, and we're going to get into some of the, um, uh, the racial sexual politics of this. And when I say uh, sexual politics, uh, I'm talking about just male and male female politics in all of this. Um, and of course, uh, there is a different element that comes into play. Here we go having one of those back porch conversations on the front porch again, uh, because those issues are um, amplified tenfold, maybe even a hundredfold when you are talking about black men, um, especially a rich black man and the whole notion of somebody trying to take him down. So there's there's a whole other element that goes on that is or a whole other thread that runs through these matters in our community. No, and, and and this will be no different, even though it's a civil case instead of a, as opposed to a criminal case, it will still be no different uh, in in my opinion in terms of that racial. Uh, uh, that, that heightened racial sort of racial sexual thread that runs, or I keep saying sexual, that racial and gender based thread will, um, uh, will run underneath all of this no different than it did with uh, the Megan Thee Stallion, Tory Lanez uh, uh, matters. Do you agree with that, Sharita? So, yeah, so it gets very tricky. I mean, even for us as Black women, even talking about it, it's uh, not that we aren't fearless and we'll talk about it anyway, but going into it, we recognize that there is a whole other element. And in fairness to the men who are going to talk smack, it's not just the men. It's uh, it, the, the uh, Black women when it comes to this kind of stuff, the uh, uh, the massage noir is real. When it comes to um, the whole my man, my man, my man <laughs> aspect of things. So, um, and the whole protection uh, uh, of the brothers uh, in this regard. And, and again, I'm not saying that in any way to imply that there is a rush to judgment on this. We are just saying that for us, we recognize that there is a whole other um, ugliness that this type of stuff um, uh, brings up uh, among um, it in the culture, <laughs> shall we say, that goes beyond whatever the specific case is and it just stirs up the mess. So, um, and, and, you know, gets the red pill folks that activate it too. All right. So let's get into this case. So we have, uh, the plaintiff, we know who that is, is, as Cassie or full names here versus, as I said, Sean Combs and all of the entities related, uh, specifically to the music empire. And as we get into it, um, uh, it's very fascinating, quite frankly, to explain to you all why that is, uh, why that's the case, because I think a lot has gotten lost in 
already in the discussions of this as it relates to the specifics of some of these ugly allegations, but not a true understanding of, um, you know, the, the bigger umbrella that all of this falls under and the bigger umbrella, even bigger than the fact that he was her companion and allegedly did these things, is the fact that he was her employer. So you need to remember the fact that he was her uh, her employer. The other piece you have to remember, and I'm sorry I got away from this, is the standard of proof. Unlike criminal uh, case, this is not guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. So if it was a jury um, in this matter, they all would not have to agree. This is a civil case, so as a preponderance of the evidence. So if the best way to explain this is the OJ case, he was found not guilty in the criminal situation, in the criminal court, found liable in civil court. The standard is different. The standard is lower. It really is, we believe that the person more likely than not did whatever it is that they are accused of doing or are liable um, versus not not being liable. And if it is a jury, they don't have to all agree. If it's a judge, the judge doesn't have to be 100% certain. The judge just has to feel that it's more, it's pretty likely that it did happen. I don't, you know, even if I don't have 50 videos and DNA and all this other kind of stuff, because that's not the court we're in. So those are the things that uh, you should remember as we talk about uh, these things and just give our preliminary armchair recitation of what we think so far before Diddy's team files their inevitable motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim because they definitely will be filing one. Of course, they'll be filing that. Um, and, and by the way, he's denied all the allegations. That's, that's his people have already released a statement. So let's get into the preliminary statement. Preliminary statement is uh, gets into who he is and how he came to fame. And of course, I always like when a lawyer gives us a little cool, flowery, flowery language. So they sucked me in with cool writing and making it kind of sassy just with this one uh, section. Um, and and Sharita, let me know if you if you peak game on this too. When he said they mentioned how in 2022. Uh, Combs received a lifetime award at the BET Awards. And I believe at, at that point, um, he and Cassie, well, I, I not believe, I'm positive. At that point, they were already broken up um, yeah. because they've been broken up for quite some time because I think she doesn't have just one kid now with her husband. She's got like two. She has two, exactly. Yeah, so they've been broken up for a minute and, and BET Awards are always in June. So uh, this would have been like June, 2022, but he did, he did thank her. And, and I mean, you know, broken up or not, if you were together or whatever, but anyway, so he says during his acceptance speech, Mr. Combs stated, I have to give a special shout out. Thank you. Love to the people that was really there for me. He named a number of people before adding and also Cassie for holding me down in the dark times, love. The truth, however, is that Cassie, and he states her full name, was held down by Mr. Combs and endured over a decade of his violent behavior and disturbed demands for blank. The dark times 
were those she spent trapped by Mr. Combs in a cycle of abuse, violence, and sex trafficking, among other violent and unlawful acts. So I thought that that was very, uh, you know, I, I like the little spin on that just, you know, as an admirer of words to talk about who held who down. <laughs> okay, so these are the big bullets. Before I get into the bullets, Sharita, of the of, of those, what is it, nine, 10 bullets that just kind of under section three, well, maybe it was like seven, where he just kind of slammed the car into us with the, and I say he because her attorney is a man, slammed the car into us with giving us a taste of what was to come. Which of these allegations stood out to you the most? I mean, I think all of us can pretty much say the the alleged blowing up a man's car was like, what? I, I think that's the one that I would go with is the blowing up the man's car and um, which one is also the one I'm looking at? Too? I, well, there's one that it, it talks about, is talked about later that's not in this paragraph, but again, stood out to me because both the car and the allegation of dangling the dangling the friend from the 17 stories or whatever and guys we we you know it, it sounds like we're making light of this but there's a reason why i i bring those two up before we get into the ones that are going to take us to the dark side uh, or to a darker side is because the car thing and the window dangling thing was giving very suge knight Because that Suge Knight one, isn't that what Vanilla Ice alleged Suge Knight did to him? It was Vanilla Ice, right? That alleged that Suge Knight dangled him uh, out of a window? Yes. And if I recall, in his Behind the Music or one of those, you know, I used to be special, but now I'm a carpenter uh, kind of uh, shows that Vanilla Ice did. If recollection served, they even reenacted reenacted it because I recall just going, "Okay, if this happened, it's horrible, but you all reenacting it is only going to make me laugh." <laughs> so, but yes, it was the the car blowing up, and and that was giving very Suge Knight. It was giving very much um, all of that. Uh, rap bravado and bad boy for life and all of this stuff it was giving very much um acting out those um you know misogynistic toxic fantasies so these are the big bullets uh and and then we're gonna jump around from there because uh it's it's a lot so Allegedly, so these are the alleged um, violent and unlawful acts alleged, and then we'll get into some specifics. That he um, essayed her in her own home after she tried to leave him. Um, and when I say essay, I'm talking about the R word. That he often punched, beat, kicked, and stomped her, resulting in bruises, burst lips, black eyes, and bleeding. The, the blew up a man's car after he learned that there was some romantic interest in her. Mind you, the allegation isn't that they were together, just that he allegedly liked her. And I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Like I would think a lot of men did, but okay. Um, that he forced her to engage in um, 
intimate acts uh, with male uh, adult industry workers while he self-pleasured and filmed the encounters and him as in Diddy allegedly did that. Um, it's going to be very interesting for the courts uh, if she has access to any of those tapes. I'm sure they'll be looking for them, uh, I, I'm, as in her people, in terms of discovery. Uh, that he allegedly ran out of his apartment with a firearm in pursuit of a rival industry executive. That he uh, welcomed Minion. Uh, that he demanded that she carry his firearm in her purse to make sure, to make her uncomfortable and demonstrate how um, dangerous he was. I suspect that if that really, if that really did happen, that wasn't the only reason he had her carry it because we know that uh, uh, there are people who in that life or in certain lives who will have their um, someone else with them hold for them also uh, for law enforcement purposes, especially if you're somebody who people watch. And he definitely is somebody who gets watched. He's ostentatious. He's out there. He's got the money and all of that stuff. And he's been in a few pickles. He also allegedly introduced her to a lifestyle of excessive alcohol and substance abuse and required her to procure illicit prescriptions to satisfy his own addictions. Um, that th There are so many layers to all of this. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Sharita, give me your reaction right off the gate. Yeah. For the allegations. For the allegations. I agree with you 100%. For these allegations that's being stated now are not far-fetched from many of the rumors, the excessiveness, the lifestyle that's been spoken about since about going back to 1997. So and, and maybe, exactly. And, and really, probably we began to hear about them in 1997 because... Um, of course, post the death of Biggie, um, he was no longer the producer slash hype man. He was the main attraction. And so Diddy as an entity unto himself, as opposed to the man behind the man or the hype man for the main man, um, it, he not only you know, stepped right into that persona, right? But he stepped into it in a, in a huge, huge way. Much even, um, in my opinion, bigger than the way that even Biggie did it because Biggie, of course, you know, huge persona and all that, not just talking about his size. I mean, he was, he was just, you know, a huge superstar, but, um, his superstardom kind of spoke for himself, right? You know, it was the whole persona of the the Don, the former, you know, drug dealer, maybe, maybe not still gangster from New York who, you know, had this, again, this larger than life personality. And even though he may not have been the looker or whatever, he was known for the charisma. So the ladies loved him, you know, that whole thing. But it's still, even with all of that, that 
comes along with Biggie, it still wasn't this, um, it, it, help me out here. It still wasn't the, 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 that, that thing that Diddy does in terms of making sure that you know he has money and the clothes and the lifestyle and all of that. It was like Diddy had to make sure it was in your face like new money. Whereas Biggie, of course, was new money, but he didn't act like new money. He was just that he was just the Don because he was the Don. Exactly. You know, um, it, it was it was giving very much, uh, a, you know, Atlanta Housewives versus, you know, the Lisa Lisa Vanderpump, Adrian Maloof type housewives. <laughs> you know, where they just sat in their money because they had it. So, um, so at any rate, uh, so it goes on. So give some background. And I think uh, the, some of this background is also going to be an important thread that um, is going to be important for people to remember as they follow this case, because these are things that are going to be in the court's mind as they look at this case in terms of the way that people are looking at it in terms of where Cassie is now and having her kids and being with her new husband and all of this stuff. And she's just trying to get what she doesn't have anymore now versus where and who she was then when these uh when this situationship between she and Diddy allegedly began um and and it's interesting when you th when you think about what to call uh what it, what this was between them uh especially when you think of how like in the last couple of years you know the word entanglement became a whole thing because of the whole Jada Pinkett and August Alcina situation. This is an entanglement. Uh, you work with me, you live with me, or you work for me. I signed you to my label. You it, all it, this is an entanglement. <laughs> August Alcina and Jada Pinkett were just screwing. This is an entanglement. <laughs> so, okay, so. They met in 2005. She was 19. He was 37. He signed her to the Bad Boy label. Of course, Bad Boy was well established by 2005. I mean, at that point, you know, we are well beyond Biggie. 2005, hell, we're we're already into Mary J. Blige being fine, fine, woo. I mean, this this is a long time later. Um, maybe not quite there. Well, 2005, where, where was Mary? Was she in No More Drama? I don't think, I don't know if she was fine yet. Okay. So, so he signed her to the label and within a few years, uh, it, it, it alleges that he lured her into an ostentatious, fast paced and drug fueled lifestyle and into a romantic relationship with him. Her boss, very smart to point that out. One of the most powerful men in the entertainment industry and a vicious, cruel and controlling man nearly two decades later, fabulously, uh, crafted paragraph because again putting it into perspective of time and not about now when you go back to that time in the 2000s there is no question that biggie uh, i mean i'm sorry that diddy was still 
fully in his mogul stage. Now, by the end of the 2000s, going into the 20 teens, not as big of a mogul on the music side, but still doing you know great things on the business side. But during that time, we're talking 2005, even Sean John was still a, 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 a thing at that point. Exactly, because I'm thinking about even the different things that I had personally going on at that time and just thinking of it in terms of the music, because, you know, music is kind of, it really, well, it's the soundtrack to our lives. And I'm thinking about uh, using even the song Damaged, I believe, which was Danity Kane for a team that I was coaching. And I'm thinking that was probably about, 2007 2008 somewhere maybe you know somewhere thereabouts and um and so we're talking 2005 you were absolutely right fully on MTV making the band multiple seasons in addition to all the other stuff that he had going on. Uh, a lot of his 90s acts had been kind of phasing out by then. You know, uh, I think we were, uh, Mace had probably gone along his way. Um, Carl Thomas had already wished he had never met her and was done. But um, uh, Mary was an entity on her, unto herself at that point. She had, um, was already in a lot of ways bigger than bad boy, but still very much connected to it. So I, so I would say to call him one of the most powerful men in the entertainment industry at that time, um, maybe other people in the entertainment industry would dispute that, but, uh, certainly among, uh, uh among black men or, or it, black entertainers period, that is absolutely true. Um, so, but and so that's why I said that paragraph is is beautifully crafted because it sets up the power dynamic and uh and and the power differential between the two of them, especially um in light of her age. And again, at the very last thing the lawyer did in that paragraph to read was he started with her age and reinforced that age and power differential again at the end of the paragraph by mentioning that he was two decades her senior. So anyway, they talked about, so he goes on talking about the control. Um, so we're going to get, so I'm going to jump ahead into some specific, some specific set uh, incidents. Bef uh, one of the things that, um, again, another standout in paragraph six, where uh, they allege, and this is a really important one, you and I talked about this before we got on the air, about the allegations that the assaults were witnessed by an in, uh, and that he's, you know, savagely, savagely um, assaulted her, uh, that they were witnessed by staff and employees of Bad Boy Entertainment and his related businesses, but no one dared to speak up against their frightening and ferocious boss. This paragraph is extremely important. And, uh, and the reason why, and there are several reasons why this is uh, extremely important. First and foremost, that is a huge allegation to make about other individuals witnessing it if you don't have 
other uh, some of those individuals who you have potentially interviewed who are willing to say that they witnessed it, especially if his attorneys point that point that out in uh, in their motion to dismiss, which lends itself to a concern on the part of the defense, I'm sure, because uh, I would be if I was um, if if I was receiving this, I would be concerned that if you are mentioning people witnessing it, do you have any of those people who are going to come and admit that they allegedly witnessed it? Another reason, um, probably, it, well, that's important, but even more important from the standpoint of jurisdiction for this case, it is that paragraph is very important because it sets up this idea of this not just being about him and her. It brings the businesses into it because now you are talking about individuals, staff, members of the business, some of whom may have been people, other individuals in power positions who saw this going on and no one came to her aid. Meanwhile, she is an employee of that business so that um so so that that's a big one so they talked about they go on again mentioning things using words like rage using words like patterns of behavior um talking about gifts following the uh, acts of physical violence we know that from a um just an abuse standpoint. And when we talk about patterns of abuse, we know that the highs and the lows and the gifts and I love you and I'm sorry. So um, they talk about that. They also, again, talk about um, the uh, requiring her to, uh, you know, carry a firearm. Then it gets real janky. And you already know what I'm going to talk about, Miss Riri. The alleged repeated unwanted encounters with male sex workers. Were you ready for that? Yeah, and, and if you don't mind speaking a little bit louder, you were great a little bit ago. I don't know if you moved away from your earpiece or not. Um, and that's the other thing. She's using AirPods. And, and um, so this came up so quick. We just really, you know, we were struggling. Okay. Okay, is this better? Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Okay, I would say, or my statement's going to be that I was shocked by that. I think that one probably of all the things I've heard is probably of all the things I've heard, I'm more shocked about that than the actual physical abuse. Um yeah, I, I got to be honest. The physical abuse doesn't shock me. I, 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 I hate to say it, and I'm sorry for those who will say, oh, you're condemning him or whatever. I didn't say uh, that I'm tossing him to the woods and he definitely did it. I'm simply being honest and saying it just didn't shock me. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more in a bit about why it didn't, but it just didn't. The workers? Yes. Um, and witnessing and self-pleasuring as well. Kind of, yeah, that. But, and, 
you know what's interesting about that uh without going you know all the way into the realm of uh horrible decisions uh shout out to mandy and wheezy um i uh i would say it it's it was interesting um we have heard as you alluded to earlier we didn't really get deep into it but but this is a the perfect time to talk about it um there are lots of things that for those of us who uh you know keep our finger on the pulse of the whole celebrity culture thing there is lots of stuff that we have heard about uh allegations of course about Diddy uh, over the years. He is not uh, someone that has escaped the realm of a lot of whispers and sometimes not so much whispers <laughs> um, about certain behaviors with him, both uh, behaviors in the sexual realm as well as, you know, the whole, you know, obnoxious, sadistic, you know, whole thing um and the fact that that whole mess uh with him with making the band and you know uh making underlings walk to brooklyn and all all of that kind of nonsense and, and interns and all of that um we have good reason uh, not even just because of what we saw, but also for those, uh, for context, both you and I have, as well as, again, just different things that have gone on, including litigation, um, as it relates to how he treats people and how he has treated underlings, including um, interns and other people that have worked for him. We have also heard about uh, the way that he allegedly treats people from his own artists. As I've said multiple times, even tonight for after hearing about all of this, the person that I am literally waiting with bated breath to hear what she has to say, if she doesn't say anything, it will be, it will be, that'll be shocking is Miss Aubrey O'Day, who has had her foot on this man's neck since before she was on the Trump show. She keeps her foot on his neck. Oh, oh, thank you. See, in real time reaction, and what did Miss O'Day have to say? No problem. See, guys, you get it live here with us. Riri's not going to be able to stay with us the the whole show because I got to let her go to bed. But <laughs> but this is great. She's she's giving me the IG piece because once you go to that one, then I'll need you to go to Kid Cudi. But start there. Oh well, both the, uh, the same clip. All of them are up there. Um, Dawn Richards gave her um, love and support to Cassie. You know, she was part of making the band as well. And she also yeah, but Dawn usually kind of lays low. We know that she doesn't particularly care for him, but she also doesn't get deep, deep in the mess. Dawn, that's why Dawn is usually the one everybody likes. Yes, she was very, she said, giving my love and support to Cassie. So it wasn't saying anything. So we know what time it is. Yeah, we. I mean, if you say giving my love and support to Cassie, you've already said what side of the bread you you buttering. It just says nicely. Aubrey wasn't as 
she's all over IG right now. As I'm scrolling, all I'm seeing is kiss, 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 kiss. I'm telling you, the proof is in the pudding. And yes, he will have support, but the support are going to come from the people who still work with him, not the ones who didn't. I mean, who don't anymore. If you are currently in the industry, currently have relationships, you are either going to be quiet or support. I think we're going to get more quiet than anything. But those that he used to work with, especially the women, those are going to be the ones to watch. If you weren't on the bad boy tour, anybody who wasn't on the tour, them the ones you better watch. Sure did. About two months ago, she's the first. She actually came out. She said, "You have to sign an NDA to get mine." She's like, "I told everybody not to do that." She said, "Because you're giving up your rights for future anything that can be said, anything." No, she said, "I refuse to sign that paper." So, I I'm not shocked that she said something because she already came out and said something when um said something when he gave back his artists all their masters. And, and just a quick note about NDAs, because I, I got into this conversation tonight at my meeting when someone mentioned the whole thing about NDAs. So there's there's two there's two things that people need to understand about NDAs. NDAs are only as good as the individual's willingness to follow it. So you can get someone to sign an NDA, and as long as they follow it, great. But if they don't and come out, if they don't and break it, it's not like they're going to jail. Your recourse is to pursue them for whatever it is the terms of your NDA outlined for the purposes of, you know, you telling their business. Now, that's going to fall. Even that falls into two very distinct areas in terms of enforceability. On the one hand, if I am your PA, personal assistant, since we're saying SA, I don't want to use PA and people think that that's something nefarious. No, personal assistant. If I am your PA, and of course we have a standard NDA, you know, you don't tell any of my business what goes on here. You don't talk about my kids, you don't blah, blah, blah. You don't tell what I have for dinner, all the, all the stuff people be trying to find out about celebrities and, and that's why they have their people sign NDAs. If you go... And you tell whomever, I don't know, just uh, some random blog. I, I won't give anybody a shout out that's not paying me. So <laughs> you tell some random blog or, or post online trying to blow yourself up that, yes, I worked for whomever. And, oh, my gosh, this is what how they used to live. And they, they keep their house dirty. And they were mean to their kids. And they this and that. Third. You are... They are absolutely within their rights and absolutely should come after you. You signed saying you weren't going to do that. And you went and you ran your mouth about stuff that was not illegal, stuff that was not and nothing was done to you. You just telling their damn business, which is the, the whole thing that they didn't want you to do. The court's going to break the court's pretty much going to side with you on that. I mean, you, you're really not going to have much of a leg to stand on there. However, this is an important area where NDAs fail when the person, and that is when 
you are using your NDA, even if you didn't start out using it that way, but it ended up being the result because of some things that occurred, where your NDA essentially becomes the cover for behavior that is problematic towards that person. You cannot use an NDA as a means of keeping me quiet when the person, when you, when you committed abuses or illegal activity or any of those things towards me, that is going to mean that that contract is per se unconscionable, unenforceable, because it essentially is, you're trying to use your NDA as a pass for bad behavior, committing potentially illegal or dangerous or whatever acts towards me. Now, again, if I see you using drugs in your house, I'm in violation of the N- uh, of the NDA if I tell everybody that I saw you using drugs in your house, even if they are illegal drugs. Unless you called the police on me, I'm in violation. If I'm just telling TMZ that, I'm in violation of the NDA because I didn't tell TMZ that with the intention of trying to stop some illegal activity from going on or to protect anybody or even to protect you. I did that to try to make money. If I call the police because I'm not down with folks, uh, you know, having an open air drug den in my presence, that's a whole different issue. But if the NDA is being used to cover up stuff you're doing to me, yeah, it's it's out of the water. So, you know, that's that's my spiel on NDAs. So, uh um and so and so when it comes to uh the NDA situation with uh with any of his people as it relates to any of these issues with Cassie or if people uh if this opens the floodgates to people saying that certain things happened to them that they didn't report at the time, male or female employees or or associates or whatever, it's going to fall into the same realm because, uh, it, I mean, because let's face it, do we think that there is a snowball's chance in hell that Cassie didn't sign an NDA? Of course she did. Of course she did. Even if not when they initially got together, you know, because, or, I mean, and that's a misnomer because at least the way the chronology reads, the initial relationship was as his artist, even whether or not that is what was on his mind when he signed her. That's a whole different thing. All we know is what the individuals did, which is our relationship didn't start out effing in the closet. Our relationship started out with you signing me as uh, your artist. And then allegedly became something else. And I doubt that he is going to dispute that because if he does, that will make him look even more predatory, especially considering that she was 19 and considering what she's alleging. So I think despite the fact that they will probably disagree about every single solitary other thing in this lawsuit, that's probably the one thing that they will agree on because it would be in his best interest to go along with the, with the, you know, procedure, if you will, but the chronology, that's what I was looking for, that she was his artist and then ultimately became his girlfriend. 
that but on the flip side of that that also doesn't help the whole um employer employee aspect of that since you were already her boss so helps you hurt you depending on uh what page the judge is on <laughs> so um okay so i i riffed for a while while you were looking for this other stuff so uh did you find did you find exactly what aubrey said or folks are just kind of on the aubrey watch like i am yeah, folks are on aubrey watch but she did make a post i just can't find it now unfortunately i follow too many pages okay well just break in if you if you do Okay. Um. And but in the meantime, uh, pull the kid Cuddy one because I think he actually I think his statement is verbal. And well, actually, you know what? I, while I'm reading this, I'm gonna try and pull that because, uh, playing it is gonna work better for me since I'm on the main system. Okay. So in the meantime, let me go see a sister is doing multiple things at once. If I could stop fat finger and logging into my phone. <laughs> I'm talking about what I can do and I can't even log into my damn phone. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, all right. Next over the years, she continued to say, um, he allegedly assaulted her, um, physically an essay and that she, um, tried to, um, escape the tight hold uh, over his life. And anybody who worked with her or anything like that, um, she, she just said basically he used his vast network to keep control over him. She said that after they finally separated, now this was a disturbing allegation, that after they finally separated, she joined him for dinner. And she claims that after that dinner, he forced her into her home and essayed her while she repeatedly said no and tried to push him away. Uh, she talks about how now she's fully escaped uh, him, but she no longer wants to. Um, uh, she no longer wants to be haunted by the hurt and the trauma, and that she seeks justice for uh, decades of. Um, the threats of violence, use of drugs, financial abuse. So these are the areas where she is seeking injunctive, declaratory, and monetary relief. These are big ones. And, and, and also the reason, but it's also how she got into federal court. She is uh, going under violation of federal sex trafficking laws. Um, we, we saw that with R. Kelly. Um, also the New York State Human Rights Law the New York City Human Rights Law, the Gendered Motivated Violence Act, the New York Services for Victims of Human Trafficking, the California Sex Abuse and Cover-Up Accountability Act, which we know came into play big time uh, following Me Too, and the California Trafficking Victims Protection Act. And we say, what's going on with the whole California thing? Well, this is federal court. So um, if there is something that you want to bring in to at least have the court consider, um, the court can. Okay, so this court uh, uh, has jurisdiction, at least they're alleging that, um, uh, pursuant to, uh, and they give the code section there, and again, it is because of the allegations uh, that the that these uh, her being deprived of certain rights that um, 
that fall under uh, federal rights, which is why she named all of those acts. She also gives the parties where they lived, um, and she apparently is a resident um, of California and Connecticut, and she uh, was employed by Bad Boy from 2006 to 2019. So she was with, uh, she, you know, whatever her relationship is with Diddy, she was with Bad Boy for a long time. And pretty much, if you look at the chronology of that, especially the breakup, um, the breakup pretty much ended, uh, hap her um, no longer being with Bad Boy pretty much coincided with the breakup because again that was uh, we're talking we're in two thousand three she's married with two kids that that'd be about right three four years does that sound right to you yeah it, the math sounds like it's mapping yeah. okay so and at all times and this is uh, this is uh, where the rubber hits the road at all time relevant times here in Miss Ventura met that I'm sorry I said her name met the definition of an employee of the defendants under all the relevant statutes because again definitely an employee because she was under contract so what else are you gonna call it um she, you know, they define bad boy, they get into all of that. So let's get into the factual allegations. And then you're like, wait a minute, it just John Doe, you talked about factual allegations. Okay, so we're gonna skip some of this because yes, we did talk about um, all of those things. And yes, she went into 106 Park and she was on all of those stuff. She, she even talks about that horrible <laughs> appearance she had on uh total request live and bet's 106 and park um when it was just a mess and they talked she talked about having performance anxiety press outlets being critical um and then uh he and and of course they talked about what he said um uh, what he said to try to combat um combat that and she talked about um how he was very paternalistic, but he thought she was cute and all of that. Um, and they went and, and that he would glorify her being naive. And however, that her being naive, which is something that he, she alleges he thought was so great and loved to put out there, uh, laid the groundwork for him to manipulate her into a relationship. But again, these are all allegations. Um, she claims that within a year of signing with Bad Boy, he's fully entrenched in her life um, and asserting possession and control and being a, a part of all aspects of her career and personal life. And um, that, you know, again, pretty much she became his. And... Um, and felt that when people started gossiping about them, it was it was gross and whatever because of who they were. And she considered him as, and she said he positioned himself as the father figure and protector. I gotta tell you, it, the lawyer in me is just tingling because all of this so seamlessly sets up this whole notion of a uh of a problematic power dynamic grooming 
all of those things that play perfectly into why, into being able to alleviate the court of concerns as to how, um, how she really, what her role really was or wasn't in this relationship is and it it lays the groundwork for what we know will be the defense saying uh 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 no matter what the age difference was because people who date have age differences every day uh these were two grown ass people in a grown ass relationship both as employer and employee and as lovers and both of them were fine with that. So let's, you know, let's cut the crap with the whole, oh, woe is me. I was the child. I was this. I was that. So this beautifully lays the groundwork to begin, uh, you know, for what will be a very obvious part of the defense in terms of this notion of grooming and manipulation and and all of those things which you know they're clearly claiming he did in order to get her to do the things that she alleges he made her do fix your airpods again huh Was it 2005 or 2006? Okay, so that's why I'm trying to figure out the timeline because his, well, his last Oh, it says, okay, so she met him in 2005. Okay. He said he signed her to his label. And then, in so, you know, obviously, you know, it. we don't know when in 2005, just like we don't know when in 2006. But whatever it was between 2005 and 2006, which would be a year, she's saying within that year, he became fully entrenched in, in her life. So essentially, I suppose what his argument would be is that um, uh, what his argument would probably be to that is that he was fully involved in developing her as an artist and you know you know making sure that she was successful no different than he has done with any of his other artists as demonstrated by uh, and i'm saying if i'm diddy's attorney this is kind of where i be coming from as demonstrated by things we saw him doing with other artists in real time during that time frame i.e making the band and other things we did see that you know at any given time he could pop up on a tour with any of his artists so of course they're gonna say that that's what she what uh what that was um uh, okay you know what and in paragraph 25 i think they get a little bit more into it. So they said that she met him in late 2005 or early 2006 after he heard a single of hers in a club and expressed interest in signing her to his label. So apparently she already had a little something, something out there and that's how he came into contact with her. And then she said within months in February 2006, he signed her to a 10 album deal. Damn, it pays to be pretty. 
I tell you what. Oh, no, trust me. I don't mean it's a great deal. I'm just saying the fact that she was signed, period. Because, let's face it, we've, you know, we've, we've, we've had the Cassie experience. Yeah. And and as we know from the specific performance they talk about, it didn't uh it didn't go so well when uh mama came out of the studio and had to actually show and prove on shows that made it a point to put people on live, like Total Request Live and BT 106 and Park. So, um, but yeah, and, and, you know, again, signed her very quickly and put her out there very quickly because we're talking based on the chronology of this, signed her in February, 2006, and then had her, uh, had her first album release in August, 2006. So, um, you know, whether it was him or anybody else in within bad boy, uh, I'm sure there were some other artists on the label who were had to be pretty damn pissed because we're talking from signature to number four on the Hot 200 within six months. So, like I said, pays to be pretty. That that's not even you know the ten album deal is ridiculous, but you know just the what they did with her in so short a period of time. So, um, so anyway, moving forward, uh, looks like when she went to, uh, perform with him allegedly in Europe, that's when she kind of felt like things were maybe shifting a little bit, but she allegedly ignored it. And also during that time, he was still very publicly in a relationship with Kim Porter, but you know, for those of us who celebrity watch we could also say when wasn't he publicly in a relationship with kim porter and did it ever really matter um, not so much considering that maybe to kim but not to everything and everybody else he was dealing Cause, with because chance is only five months older than the twins that's all i'm gonna say hello Okay, and even during that time frame, the, the older kids, there's there's not that big of an age difference uh, between the boys either. Um, no, so, no because, um, I, you know what? I keep forgetting that the one kid is Albie Shore's kid. That's right. Yeah, Quincy is Albie Shore's son, and then he had um, Justin with Misa Hilton Grant. Yeah, and I keep putting Justin and Quincy together, and when and Quincy's not actually his. Okay. He adopted him, so yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he was okay with the boys timeline wise, but like. But he he had some he's he's got some mess because you know Diddy's got a trough of kids. Okay, so at an after party after her 21st birthday, she claims that he pulled her in the bathroom and forcibly kissed her. And she, uh, you know, she ran out, she cried, etc. cetera. Um, and she actually had a boyfriend and uh, that joined them at the uh, MTV Awards the next day. And allegedly he went off. 
So the next section, and that's why I said it was a, a very, uh, her, the lawyer has done a crafty uh, job. And I'm, I'm just saying, just from admiring the work, <laughs> a crafty job of setting this up because they definitely set it. As, and, and I mean, again, setting up his case. Um, definitely the thread runs straight through. In fact, this section, he even titles it, Mr. Combs lures Ms. Blank into a relationship and starts it out with saying, despite a clear rejection of his advances, he continued to demand her spending time with him, weekends with him, etc. And ultimately, uh, during that time frame or later on, she uh now we're in like 2007-ish, which would make sense because they said it was after her 21st birthday. She said that he gave her a pill. She later learned that it was ecstasy and that uh things then occurred from there with driving him, allegedly driving drunk, um, uh, him getting into an altercation with staff, all kinds of uh, other stuff. And, um, and, and, you know, again, she just talks about these incidents where allegedly he put her in situations uh, where she would be stuck with him and then he would give her drugs. Um, and even though she didn't like it, she wanted him to continue to support her career. And she felt like she couldn't refuse him. Again, this sets up that whole power differential piece. Of course, you and I followed the R. Kelly cases from beginning to end. So we see where all of that is going. And it said that she felt herself lured into the immediate circle of her boss, the owner of the record label. And again, one of the most powerful men in the music industry. He continues to talk about, I'm just going to skip ahead, exerting career over her personal and professional life. We talk about, it talks about, again, the plying her with drugs, which caused her memory loss and uh, to this day that she still deals with. And just a lot of allegations and it, it is a little weird considering if if any of this is true considering his position in the company in the business which does put the business very much at risk that a lot of these things he allegedly did number one as her boss so that makes it, it again sets up a power dynamic that makes you concerned about your livelihood continuing or your contract or whatever continuing or as we know these um these people do with these contracts they will just have you on the contract and not doing anything with you not giving you studio time not giving you writers not giving you production and you're just you're just languishing because you're under a contract for 10 albums but if there's no set time period on that and they're not helping you to produce and release the albums you're just stuck there under contract um and and we saw some of this with prince so um at that point she says, uh, going into part four, 
she details how the relationship began to uh, become more and more violent. Um, she, oh, speaking of Suge Knight, did uh, one of the paragraph talks about Suge Knight. See, you guys, you're getting my reaction to some of this in real time. Uh, that one night when they were using drugs together in his home, sounds like at this point she may be soft hinting that uh, he turned her into an addict. Um, so one of the security staff, I sound like Kenya Moore, security, um, <laughs> barged in and announced that Suge Knight, a longtime rival, was spotted at Mel's, uh, Mel's drive-in diner in Los Angeles. He got dressed, retrieved multiple guns, allegedly, and ran out of his home to where he believed uh, Suge Knight was. Um, she also... Uh, alleges, you know, the thing earlier about making her hold uh, guns in his purse. She alleges over many times over the decade that he beat her repeatedly, leaving bruises. He uses money and power to orchestrate extensive efforts to hide the evidence. In fact, one time allegedly kicking her and hitting her Um and uh, her having, I think there was one here about her having to get an MRI. Let me get to that. Remember that part? Um, yeah, it, it was, yeah. So there was one time, uh, yeah, one time in here where um, she ended up having to, the bottom line is she ended up having to get um, medical attention. And when she got medical attention, uh, records and test results were sent directly to him. And she said that he even said by his own admission that their relationship was like Bobby and Whitney. Um, and it, hell, it sounds like uh, a, a, an insult to Bobby and Whitney. <laughs> Uh, she says from the outside move, looking in, she heard others refer to them more as Ike and Tina. Uh, the sex trafficking allegations. He, she explains voyeurism and says that uh, they had days called freak-offs or FO days. And that, uh, it, it, and, and there's just whole paragraphs of you know, alleged sex acts that um, involved masks and drugs and him allegedly watching her with other people. This is also where California comes in because uh, several of these alleged incidents took place in, uh, in California at various venues and Homegirl is naming locations. Uh, at Trump International Hotel, L'Hermitage in Beverly Hills, the Hotel London in Los Angeles, Intercontinental Century City, Atlanta, Intercontinental New York City, the one in New York and Miami, Mandarin in New York, Miami, the Fountain Blue, the Beverly Hills Hotel, and Shutters on the Beach in Los Angeles. Okay, she she not playing with with these with this the time place at, uh, situations. Uh, she said that his assistants would help to set these things up. And of course, there were drugs and other people involved. So I'm going to stop there with 
the with the FOs because there's just a lot as it relates to that. But does the alleged voyeurism fantasies surprise you? Predilections. Predilections. That's the exact word I was looking for. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm surprised. Again, those stories were rumors. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I but so many of them. So many were coming out in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. it, well, shoot, in the last six months, around the time that he released the Masters. Yeah. Uh, the Kid Cudi situation comes into play. Uh, it comes into play around, I believe this was 2007. I- I'm sorry, 2011. So uh, allegedly in 2011, he uh, when he uh, looks like they were having a rough patch, although hell, all of this sounds like a rough patch. Um, if it's true and he, she returned, he returned home from a trip. He demanded another FO day. She went along with it. He allegedly found in her phone emails between her and Kid Cuddy, um, and became enraged and, you know, and allegedly lunged at her. She actually ran away to Kid Cuddy's home, uh, allegedly. And soon thereafter, uh one of his staff members said he needed to talk to her um she also ran away to her parents she said during paris fashion week in 2012 he told her that he was going to blow up cuddy's car um and that it and that he wanted to ensure that cuddy was there Around the same time, Cuddy's car allegedly exploded in his driveway. And as uh, and, and as we heard from Kid Cuddy um, tonight, he claims that that indeed did happen. Um, let me see. Is this when he... No, no, no. He was talking about something else with uh, Israel. Okay, he must have put it on... Um, on Twitter snap because this is not on on IG but uh, but again uh, the bottom line is Kid Cudi has come out as we know because I, I actually heard the statement um, uh, someone played it for me he came out with a statement and definitely said okay let me see Kid Cudi talks about uh, Diddy um, and he came out and said yep that's what happened um, 50 Cent, uh, responds and we're just going to tell him to, we're just going to pretend that, uh, 50 Cent did not respond. <laughs> he basically just says, uh, because he really doesn't need to say much. He basically says, uh, 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 damn dude, they got you looking crazy out here. Of course, Jaguar Wright is talking, but in fairness to Jaguar Wright, she actually, uh, this is, she is another one where this is not the first time that she has said something about Diddy. About oh no, not the first, not the second, not the third. Yeah. In fact, she's one of the ones that had, that actually specifically 
uh, talked about some of the alleged uh, sex stuff with Diddy. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a mess um, with that. But yeah, Cuddy said, did happen. Um, and, and honestly, even, you know, having proof of somebody blowing up your car 12 years ago is, is going to be pretty darn hard. But I think that if even Cuddy saying, look, obviously I don't have any proof that he did it. I just have my suspicions that he did it. If we were to if we were to completely put that uh, on the shelf, because at the end of the day, he probably doesn't have any proof that Diddy did it, and of course, Diddy is going to say that he didn't do it. I think what is actually more damaging is if Cuddy is willing to testify, which I'm assuming he would be, considering his public statement, that at the very least, while he doesn't know whether or not Diddy had his car blown up. What he does know is that Cassie came to him in fear of her life and trying to stay away from Diddy. That's still very damaging in and of itself because that's not about what you don't know about or about what you suspect. That's about what you experienced with that person. So, um, and again, more goes on about, I mean, it's it's a lot. So more goes on about him allegedly um, just allegations that he essentially terrorized her. The, the typical, uh, and, and I don't say that to be flipped, but what we know to be the typical abuse cycle. Uh, you leave, I get your back, you're in more danger because you're trying to leave and, you know, and then the love bombing in between, all of that. There's a whole section on the alleged uh, SA abuse, you know, SA being the R word, um, alleged uh, multiple incidents is uh, 2017, 2018. And of course, when you are doing these calls of actions, did you, you know, did the person do lifelong harm? Um, I think one of the toughest ones uh, it, it jumping ahead to the actual specifics of the um, the I, I hate to call them charges, but the uh, acts that they claim he violated. The first cause cause of action being the sex trafficking. I think that one is going to be hard. While there were uh, alleged requirements of, uh, you know, and again, these are her allegations that he required her to engage in certain acts in multiple jurisdictions. Um, I think, it, and, and for his benefit, um, I think that that is going to be a little bit, not in, not a, a entirely a reach, but still a little bit of a reach because the main beneficiary was him. And yes, he was her boss, but they were also in a personal relationship. And I think for this one, this is where that blurry line of the personal relationship and the professional relationship may play against her because, um, Yes, you may have felt compelled to to be with him and do his bidding generally because he was um, because of your career um, and as well because of, you know, everything that you all had going on. But at the same time, you also have the fact that 
he um, uh, you had a personal relationship with him and in within your personal relationship, you gave your mate what their sexual fantasy, which couples do. So, um, and, and I get what her attorney is trying to do because he's saying that he required her to, and, and this is what he says specifically, required her to engage in force, actual acts in multiple jurisdictions and all def defendants benefited from um, his venture by holding her an artist signed with bad boys and otherwise bad boy and otherwise employed um, captive to meet his demands and desires. I think that that's going to be a bit of a reach because however much the relationship may have been coercive and again, questionable power dynamics and all of that, it, it was a relationship nevertheless. And couples do things together, including sexual things. Um, and some of them may be abhorrent to either or both of them, but you do them. Um, a, a, another allegation under the New York version of uh, uh, victims of human trafficking, again, I think the same issue persists uh, there. Could it have been traumatic? Could she have felt forced to do it? it all of those things I'm not disputing, just going to from a flat, flat legal perspective, nothing else problematic. Um, the battery and actual, you know, actual battery under New York law, it, no problem there if the judge believes that she was assaulted. That's, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. Either he assaulted her or, she, or if either the judge believes that he committed acts of, of, acts of uh, assault on her or he didn't. And if the judge believes it, then that cause of action for battery or, or, or sexual battery, whether it's just physical assault or um, sexual assault, then um, she wins on that because that is literally just going to boil down to um, whether uh, uh, it's going to boil, it's going to be a question of credibility, um, both hers, his, and any potential witnesses that either of them have to support or dispute that these things happen. And, you know, yes, they define it. Uh, a willful wanton and malicious and reckless disregard for her safety and whatever. I don't even think we have to get into that. If you beat up somebody or you essayed them, I think we can all assume and understand that those things are malicious and willful and, and whatever. Um, so I think that's fine. Uh, the uh, sexual assault pursuant to the California laws and the cover up accountability act, same thing there. Um, it's going to boil down to if the judge believed it happened. If so, n uh, all the other legalese doesn't even matter. Because again, either it didn't or it didn't. Violation of victor victims of gender-motivated violence. I'm going to put that in the same category as, um, as the other assault. If they believe that she was assaulted, if the uh, court believes that she was assaulted, then this is going to fold right in with everything else. Um, sexual harassment, gender discrimination, hostile work environment. Uh, 
if the court believes any number of these things, even if not necessarily the sexual assault, but just, you know, um, just the very tight hold and, and the fear-based actions and way of dealing with her, you know, again, sexual harassment, the hostile work environment, especially um, if there is anybody around who is willing to substantiate his behavior with her or in her presence, she wins. Um, so I, I think that a lot of this is really going to come down to uh, to the credibility of it. I don't think that uh, she has to prove every single one of these things to win the case. Because it's going to be impossible to prove every single one of these things. I think that, honestly, if the court believes even a portion of this, uh, again, I think for the, the trafficking stuff is a reach, but I think if the court believes even a portion of this, especially since all of it is, sounds horrible, then um, the gender-based violence stuff, the battery, especially if one of the things the court believes is battery, um, whether it's sexual battery or just a physical battery, then, um, then she wins. Uh, it, uh, for those who take issue with the fact that she is going the civil route as opposed to the criminal route, I would say that we don't know whether or not when she met with her lawyer, she they assessed the likelihood uh, of a successful prosecution. But what we do know is that he is an extremely rich man that can hire the best attorneys in the country to beat a criminal case where the standard is extraordinarily high. It is guilt beyond a reasonable doubt when there's the possibility that witnesses may be too intimidated to come forward given uh, who he is and his power in the industry and um, and and the fact that just the sheer passage of time because it's been so long and you know where's uh, how would you um, get the type of evidence that is 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 usually sought in a criminal case so that the prosecution can be can reach uh, that tremendous burden. That being said, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk in, in civil because the burden is hers. The burden is on the person who is bringing the suit, not on the person who is being accused. Now, you still want to win. So even though technically the burden isn't on you, a, a, a smart defendant is going to be trying to disprove as much as they say that she can't make a claim. Do I think that this will pass a motion to dismiss? Because they are definitely going to do a motion for a, a motion to dismiss or a motion for summary judgment right away to uh, say that uh, she hasn't stated a claim. There's there's nothing here, etc. I think she does. I think that uh, again, I, I not on everything. I, uh, I I'm going to stand by. The, uh, the trafficking stuff being a reach. Um, I think that that is their best shot of getting rid of some of this. But do I think if this could pass muster on a, motion to, uh, on a motion to dismiss and get rid of it on everything else? Yes, and part of that is because it is 
pled so specifically and so incredibly detailed, it is obvious that the attorney already anticipated that when they filed it. And if they have this much detail, they have more. So um, I suspect it and and I will take a step further in, in my prediction and say, if I am right and this passes in, uh, passes a motion to dismiss and a judge says, no, this can go ahead to trial, uh, that's where we're going to see some moves to potentially settle because what Diddy cannot afford here, because clearly she's she's going for it. What Diddy cannot afford here is for this situation to go to depositions and heaven forbid a trial because once this the stuff is out there, especially if she's got witnesses to support her in any way, there is no coming back from this. Not only do the numbers go up in terms of her winning, there uh, there is no coming back for anything that he touches. It does it it's it destroys everything, even in terms of potentially his family, especially since he has girls. Uh, like it, it, I mean, it's just a mess. So um, uh, that the her his attorneys and the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars that he has probably already invested in the the midnight uh, oil they are burning with trying to get this dismissed. Um, that's going to be critical because if they don't then uh, they bet they better uh, be already meeting to figure out how to make this go away. This cannot go beyond this point and it not be hell on him. The She is, for all intents and purposes, compared to him and pretty much any other celebrity out there, nobody. She also, I'm sure, knows the current climate and the fact that people were going to not believe her, call her a gold digger, call her everything in the book because she's suing him civilly as opposed to trying to send him into jail. We know that people take issue with that and don't really understand that. So... Um, I think that all of those, I, I, I think that uh, she, if, if she's pushed it, even after the allegations that, according to him, she tried to shake him down, I, I don't think it's going to matter. I think uh, now that the lid is already off the jar and she's already being beat up in the court of public opinion, she has nothing to lose. At this point, she has no choice but to just press forward and let the chips fall where they may. He's the one who has way more to lose to lose in this than her because whatever goodwill he has and all the support that he will inevitably inevitably get from people who are vilifying her and, and lifting him up is going to go away when transcripts start coming out. We have seen it happen too many times and he can't afford it. Uh, people are going to start distancing themselves from him starting tomorrow. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the whole situation with Jonathan Majors and the and, and uh, while I still have some misgivings about just wholeheartedly saying, oh, he didn't do it. He's the victim. I haven't jumped on that train. But that being said, the case against him 
and you know that there's ish with her and how it started and who hit who and whether or not there was choking and all of that and even with all of those questions in that case from the very beginning and everybody dropped him like a hot potato in fact the only people who still seems who who are you know on the Jonathan Majors train are interestingly enough are the very people who weren't interested in him before them before this all happened which was black people <laughs> but because the case just happened to involve him being accused by a white woman then he became a martyr so uh and now he's got Megan Good in uh, the whole nine yards and again, I'm not saying that the brother did it. I think that the, the case is dubious at best in terms of whether or not the prosecution will win it. But, you know, I, I don't think that all hands are clean in it either, including his. I just think that is a shitty case in terms of the prosecution and what their ultimate victory will not be in that case. And because of that, since he has not been found guilty of anything and is likely to not to be found guilty of anything, we already see that even the people who and, and entities that distanced themselves from him when that whole thing started have still not back have still not kind of pulled back on that and brought him back into the Hollywood fold, even though it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that whether the prosecution pushes forward with the case or not, he's going to be found not guilty. Th that case didn't have anywhere near the level of detail of this one. This ish, whether, whether you believe even 25% of it, it's still 25% disturbing. Or uh, well, I take that back. Even if you only believe 25% of it, is still 100% disturbing because there is nothing about this whole recitation of craziness that that is soft-pedaled in any way. In fact, it just gets increasingly worse. If you say everything else never happened, all he did was hit her a couple of times, that's still a problem. If you say, well, he didn't essay her on a regular basis, but maybe there were times when she went through with it because she didn't want to lose her job. So it was more of a, a classic sexual harassment type thing as opposed to, you know, quote unquote, throwing somebody down in the alley, which, you know, as you and I both know, both of those scenarios are problematic, but people have a way of compartmentalizing them. That's still problematic. Even if, if, even if you try to throw out everything and say, well, this is just, you know, a, a, a guy just wanting a pretty girl and just not leaving her alone. And then, you know, or just a toxic, uh, <coughs> excuse me, just a toxic relationship on a, on a, you know, higher, more public level. And now she just wants some money because she married a broke man and, and, and it misses living the high life with Diddy, even if he was an a-hole. Okay. But did any of this stuff happen? Any of it? It's still a problem. And that is his biggest problem if this situation goes beyond a motion to dismiss and he tries and he does what some clients do, many clients do, 
digging their heels too long about not uh, trying to settle the situation with her as opposed to saying, no, 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 I want to go forward, whatever, whatever, because even seeing how Diddy operates from a distance, I can only imagine that that is the type of client he is. He's, I would not, it would not shock me in the slightest if he's the type of client that many of us who have dealt with, where we literally have gotten so tired of damn near, and I, I have not just damn near, but actually literally yelling at them that we had to bring another lawyer or two in the room to reiterate what they're saying, to try to get them to, to understand that it's not just me. <laughs> so. Diddy strikes me as that dude. The other backdrop to all of this, and then we're going to end it because we are running way longer than I suspected. In fact, I'll probably break this up into a part one and part two. Um, in fact, I know I'm, I'm going to uh, have uh, our engineer break this up into part one, part two. But the other piece uh, that you and I touched on and we said we were going to come back to really quick is all of this is set against a background of Diddy publicly unapologetically and actually thinking it was downright cute to essentially brand himself because nobody else did it like he literally branded himself as an employment as as a sadist of an employer so much for so much so that he is part is is part of the reason why there was literally litigation and laws passed about how interns are are supposed to be treated. So this is and, and, and this is how he deliberately branded himself. Not to mention having anecdotal information because you know people tell me stuff about what it is like to deal with him and that whole kind of making a band attitude, just having people do stuff just because you can was not just for TV. And that I got firsthand. So um, these are, or a firsthand account, obviously. Um, so when you have that, uh, you know, having a reputation, a self-imposed, like I said, unapologetic reputation of um, having sadistic tendencies in publicly and and or as an employer, it is not a stretch for people to believe that you behave that way privately because if you're willing to do it publicly why wouldn't you do it privately if anything most people most sane people anyway not saying that he isn't crazy i'm just using just saying most sane people um behave uh, hide their private behaviors in public and they are more likely to be well behaved in public and then participate in all of their outrageousness in private. When you have someone who does not hide that and does it publicly, then the automatic assumption is 
That is who they are, and they do it everywhere to everyone. Now, the judge may not know that, and hopefully they won't because he deserves to have someone who is looking at this, you know, his situation fresh and looking at it just from what is put in front of them via the pleadings and what the evidence is in court. But in the court of public opinion, even for people who know what I know and you know what you know and, and the level of education we have and understanding how the system works and whatever, I think both of us can honestly admit because we've talked about this before we got on the air, that that was one of the first threads that ran through our minds. Even in knowing and understanding how the system works and wanting it to work the right way to get the right result. But you can't help knowing what you know and, and how that colors your perception when you see something. So, and, and, and is that, and do you think that's kind of actu accurately captures kind of what we were thinking when we saw this? Yeah, and, and then, of course, there is, you know, the little undercurrent of stuff we, you know, you hear about the parties and the sex stuff and, uh, you know, that, that stuff you, exactly. And us being here in, absolutely. Yeah. And I wanted work for Diddy is what set off that whole intern issue. That's that's what set it off. Um, you know, the making the band thing and whatever, I'm sure they used as evidence, but uh that kind of set it off. It is not because it was it is a clear abuse of power to essentially have someone who is supposed to be there for your intern, let's say um, you're, you take a job as a marketing department intern, but your boss is making you walk to get cheesecake in Brooklyn just because he can. When that has nothing to do ever with what you are going to be doing unless you are marketing said cheesecake. So, and I'm, I'm just using that as an example. Obviously, I know the cheesecake example came from making the band, but there were things on I Want to Work for Diddy that were just as ridiculous. And yes, we know that we get it. If you guys have listened to us, you know that we get how the whole production thing works and all the manipulation of reality TV and all this kind of stuff. But again, it doesn't matter when you are willingly and openly putting this stuff out about yourself and when there are allegations and or examples in my case one like a, a, a first-hand account from somebody I know where you uh, uh, where this type of behavior does actually translate to real life and quite frankly we it we do know that if it wasn't translating for real life to real life, then the litigation about it wouldn't have gone anywhere because if 
they, if they were able to prove that, no, this is just some bullshit we did for a TV show, then it would have just gone the way of the dinosaurs. Like, Judge would be like, why the hell are y'all even here? It, it, it was a TV show. Okay. I mean, it, what are you going to sue over next? The love boat? Because cause Isaac didn't serve fake drinks to Julie? I mean, what the hell? So, um, so anyway, so that is the case that those are my thoughts. My predictions will certainly be following it. And, uh, I know this was a little long. So like I said, I will, I'm going to break this up into part one and part two so that people, uh, can listen to it. And I thank you very, very much. I owe you a gift, uh, Rebe for hanging, uh, hanging with me so long and allowing me to disrupt your sleep. Uh, because it, it's quite late on the East Coast. I am sure the next few days are going to be very interesting. So don't be surprised if there are <laughs> some emergency pop-ons because whoever didn't say what they have to say tonight, oh, they going to say it tomorrow. Oh, I think some people are just waiting. Oh, for sure. Or, or even late tonight, because, you know, there's there's time differences and whatever. And and I'm assuming that her people must have sought, must have filed this uh, maybe later towards the end of the day or however it got out. It definitely was towards the end of the day, because even my um, news alert from The New York Times came um and, and they're very and they're very timely with this kind of stuff no different than and, and it was in new york um it definitely came at the end of the day because i was in the middle of working and i so obviously i'm checking my email the quite regularly and i don't think i saw it until after somebody sent me something and it was like what you know because i texted you and, and so it, it was definitely after four uh four eastern so folks are processing and deciding what side of this are we going to be on? Hmm. I suppose the good thing for him is that uh, on, on the positive side, we're going into a weekend so that at least from the radio standpoint and even some of the podcasters uh, and, 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 um, and YouTube vloggers and what have you, uh, it gives the weekend gives it gives a little time for the heat to die down, at least on the initial story. Of course, um, it's going to amp back up once he files his response, because, you know, I, I have no doubt that his side is going to come out guns blazing. And it, it, I mean, it may not be too whatever. I mean, essentially, they just go through the whole thing and just deny everything. We already know that one of the main parts of his denial is an allegation of essentially uh, that she attempted to extort him. And I suppose we'll see in his filing whether or not um, he has any proof of that. Um, I would say for her sake, not that it, it means that she lied about everything, but again, just in terms of the perception, at least, um, I think that at least in terms of, you know, any types of things with the public and any perceptions that just make it look a little iggy, um, uh, I, I'm going to hope that she didn't put any of those uh, alleged demands in writing, or if she did, that they weren't from her, that they were from her attorney, because again, that will give, that will lighten it a little bit and make it sound less blackmail -y and more like, no, 
I, I, I'm, I actually have what I consider to be a case. I have, I have someone who's in my, who has retained me and we're trying to make this situation go away. Um, so that she gets some, you know, some remuneration and you get to hold on to whatever reputation is that you want to have. Um, because if you don't work with us, we're going to file this case and then a court is going to make you work with us. Yeah, I mean, people can agree to disagree about whether or not that's kind of smarmy too, but it is still more above board than somebody calling and texting you saying, give me money or else. Even if they were abused, it still just does, it's still not a good look. I mean, if he did this stuff, he did, but you still don't want it to look crappy. So, um, so I guess we'll see because obviously since he's already said that's what happened, then it would only make sense that in his pleadings, if there's proof that that's what happened, he put that out there because that would also potentially be helpful in his motion to dismiss when he essentially says, this is all complete and utter bullshit. So your honor, throw it out. Um, so, uh, and and I guess we'll see. Uh, hopefully, her for her sake, uh, I I would hope that uh, her attorneys are on top of it. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, the weekend, like I said, the weekend will help in terms of it not constantly being in his face. Give a little bit of die down to it, and then we'll see what his filing is in terms of whether or not that'll amp it up to being explosive, or if is just pretty much him reiterating what he already said. It's not true. She tried to extort me. This is just, an, you know, my ex chick trying to get some money for her new trick and, you know, whatever. See what I did there? I got bars. There you go. But I will not be signing a 10 album deal with, with Bad Boy. So <laughs> they don't want me and I don't want that. So... <laughs> All right. So thank you to everyone who uh, listened to the first hour, the second hour, all of it. However, I decide to break this up. I look forward to many more conversations with you. We will continue to have our guest star, although we will make sure the audio is better. <laughs> we will continue to have our guest star Riri on as we get back into our Bravo mode and Netflix because, you know, they've been killing it with some shows, too, that we kind of uh, let fly under the radar. Um, we might even bring a junior editor, She Nugget, into this as well because she is all about that selling Sunset Life. So, huh? Oh yes, and the reunion did. The reunion gave it. It it gave what needed to be gave. So um, yeah, we'll have to talk about that offline. At any rate, you all, thank you so much for listening to our LBD on as I as I'm calling this episode the new the disturbing lawsuit against Sean Diddy Combs because if if we can't describe it as anything else, it's definitely disturbing, and. Um, uh, this weekend, I will uh, do the first, at least, introduction of Starting After, and I hope that that is a series that you all will enjoy because that's going to 
um, continue at least once or twice a month uh, for this foreseeable future. So very excited for the starting after um, series. Other than that, I am going to say farewell and make sure that you like us, you love us, you listen to us wherever you can listen to podcasts. And always remember, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, chances are I'm thinking about it and want to talk about it too. So let's be honest together. Good night. Good night, Riri.